Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I personally think that Josh Sargent should be the number nine. My biggest concern is that Mexico does tend to make those little mistakes defensively. But it's the inconsistencies. With the what is it this inconsistent though? He's going to well, be on the ground for the majority the... of the time. No, I look back at highlights. No, that's, if you that's have the Christian Pulisic treatment, though, Same. we're gonna and... have to stop this. We're gonna start arguing on this podcast, aren't we? Hello, hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Real Football Show. I'm Lizzie, U.S. editor here at Ninety Min, with Gino Ganello, my co-host, to talk all things Concacaf at the World Cup. How are you Woo. doing? Ah, uh, doing well. Uh, a little bit better, I think, than last time. I think I'm not really, really sure. I'm not really sure how I feel right now. Tomorrow is going to be an interesting day. That's all I know. So yeah. we'll see. It'll be a lot. Um, tomorrow, I mean, I may not exist after tomorrow, so might have to be checked into a psychiatric facility. Well, that will be interesting. I will yeah. be missing you. It's not going to. It's not going to. It's not going to be a pleasurable experience, unless, no, of course, not. for some reason, the U.S. wins by a lot of goals. Which oh, that that'll be interesting. Well, we'll yeah. get into that. <laughs> um, I think first and foremost, we have to start with Canada. They are the first Concacaf nation to be eliminated officially eliminated mm-hmm. joining qatar in teams that cannot qualify to the round of 16 mm-hmm. they lost against croatia um first and foremost what do you think of the game yeah so uh i was just telling edwin i was able to catch the second half i watched the first half again today um and really i mean as we said uh, I think as a lot of people said, you know, that first like 30 minutes ish, even the, you know, all the way through the first half was, was okay. It wasn't terrible. Okay. They, they had, you know, kind of, they were applying pressure, obviously get the goal really early in the first minute there or second minute. And, and, yeah. you know, it, it pops fastest off. This goal of the tournament so far, I believe it was minute and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like so quick and, and they get on the front foot and you're like, Oh man, this is the same Canada we've seen. We saw against Belgium. Could this be an upset? Could Canada get a win here? Uh, they get their goal. The finishing, obviously, a little bit better, one for one off the bat. Uh, but then, as the game started to wear on, started to absorb more pressure, started to fall into that shell a little bit. Obviously, having that one goal lead, and then I think they were a victim in the first half, at least, of some unlucky bounces, especially on the second goal. The ball is stopped by the defense. It kind of bounces around, ends up at the foot of uh, the Croatian player, whose name I can't remember right now, um, and then goes in the back of the net. So, you know, obviously going in the half down 2-1, then you come out of the half, and it's, you know, it's a whole different game where you need to press, you, press, you need to push, and that opens up more spaces as it did even at 1-1 for, um, for Croatia, and then it kind of all fell apart as the uh, the second half wore on for, for Canada. So, I mean, you can't fault them for being attack-minded and wanting to go out there and prove something. And they do get their first ever World Cup goal. But uh, it was, you know, again, the naivety of that is is also, you know, you need to understand that you're in a World Cup. And if you want to advance, sometimes the best option is to be compact defensively and hope you hit them on the counter. 
Yeah, I think, honestly, they were robbed of that first game against Belgium. That's Mm -hmm. where they needed a result. I think going into it against Croatia was never going to be easy. But I think John Herdman made one of the biggest mistakes he could (laughs) in saying that they were going to F Croatia and going into that. A mistake Croatia made in 2014, actually, against Mexico. A couple players dissed Guillermo Choa, and I believe it was Modric, and the head coach at the time said Mexico's legs were shaking, to which then Mexico responded with a 3-1. So they've been victims of that PR push before a game. They have since learned, and now respect every opponent before each game. Canada did not do that. I think that was a huge error because you give yourself... A tar- like a huge target on your back for Croatia to come in motivated yeah. even more than they were previously. No, no bulletin board material. You don't want bulletin board material. No, no you don't want that one phrase that yeah. the other team will use against you. A team that was also superior. I yeah. think if you're coming in as underdogs, you have to have that mentality. I understand being motivated after Belgium, even though Canada did lose that game had they been coming off of a 3-0 victory coming against Croatia, yeah, you can you can boast a little bit, you can brag, but not after a loss. And then, obviously, that 4-1 was not great. Again, yeah. historic game in that, yeah, Alfonso Davis, beyond the fastest goal of the tournament, he scored at the first ever um, Men's World Cup. Amazing, but otherwise embarrassing performance. And they also squandered their potential. This is not the same team we saw CONCACAF qualifiers. Yeah. Changed strategy, changed potential. Sad to see, really. Yeah, I mean, you could... The whole John Herdman thing is like, that's something you say inside the locker room with no cameras around. Like, it's it's okay to say to your team, but you got to know when to say it. Like, obviously, I'm sure his whole reasoning behind all of that was to pump up his team say great job you guys played phenomenally against belgium who but is they the didn't win but they, but they, they played great but they didn't win yeah but i think what his whole i guess his whole purpose behind it was like listen like you didn't win but this is a team that can do big things and trying to motivate the team keep the spirits high after a disappointing result after they you know as we said you know it was a, it was they, they got robbed in that game uh you know one touch off of Mishi Bachawai and and the game is they don't get any points out of it. Um, again, we talked about this. They need to finish all that, but um, but yeah, I can understand that. But you can't do it in front of the cameras. You can't do it where there's microphones. You can't do it where there's people that can hear you because it's only going to motivate the other team uh, even more. And I think you know Croatia, you know, didn't need to come in motivated to begin with because obviously they needed all three points. But to give that extra motivation is 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 obviously a <laughs> Um, an unfortunate, you know, something you don't want to do, especially against a team, like you said, that's superior. And who knows what this team looks like in, in a few years. Obviously, they'll still have Alfonso Davies and and Jonathan David and a lot of their core players, but there are some older players that are going to be out on on the uh, the other end. So, you know, this was a, a big opportunity for them, and they looked like they could get some points from this, but unfortunately did not have not grabbed any yet. Still in Morocco. I think... It was unfortunate to see the strategy change as the World Cup progressed. I think when they were coming into it, they understood their position as an underdog, mm-hmm. which was a, which was great to see. In every press conference, you had each player boasting about the brotherhood and the ability to work with one another in order to progress. And that message really transcended during the Belgium game. 
But that switch afterwards to we're coming to get you and we're aggressive and offensive. And yeah. it doesn't really work when you're a Canada team that has so much to prove, I think. And I, I don't condone that type of language because I do think it just gives the other team more motivation. But if you're a Brazil, if you're a Germany, a France, yeah, you, you kind of have some ledge way to say that. You have the ability to boast. Canada, not one of them. So I, while I have my opinions on whether they are eliminated embarrassingly, I would love to hear if you think this is a good way to exit the tournament. Yeah, so I, I think what we have to look at here too, right, is like how um, we talk about how Canada came out against Belgium and kind of like dominated things and how they were able to take advantage of Belgium. And obviously Belgium have a bunch of slow center backs and they play a similar system to Canada and having those two midfielders um, with, you know, basically the same setup according to foot mob, at least um, that as, as Belgium did. But when you go back and you look at the, um, at the Croatia game, I believe Croatia, I'm looking at it right now. Croatia sets up with three in the midfield. So you're going to have to mm-hmm. play differently with that because you're going yeah. to combat in the way Canada did it. They still, they stuck with, they went with uh, four, four, two with Kyle Aaron up top. That's great, but you're still leaving yourself exposed with just those two midfielders. And you're going to get overrun if you're, especially going against, you know, what is it? Brozovic, Modric and Kovacic. Yeah. Like those are three of the best players in the world. Like have been at one point or another, three of the most talented players in the world. So you're gonna you're right i think that the you have to adapt to each team you're playing and it felt like they saw what happened in belgium and they were like oh we can go and dominate these teams and you just can't do that you have to adapt to the team that you're playing and i think that's where john herdman got it wrong um is it embarrassing the way they went out I don't know, because, <laughs> see, I don't know, because I would argue that they played probably close to three halves out of four of, like, decent or good football. But Yeah, but it's not even about what happens on the pitch as well. I think you also have to take into, considering, into consideration um, the messaging. They played yeah. well against Belgium. They could have ended on a high note there. Entered the Croatia match saying, we respect them. They're great. We're going to try and do the best that we can, but they are also great. Lose 4-1 and be like, well, we made a historic run. First World Cup in 36 years. First ever goal at a Men's World Cup. It was amazing. Sad to lose against a great rival. But now the messaging is um, they really came back from saying, we're going to fuck Croatia. So Yeah, I I mean... You're right. The narrative behind it. I think yes, it's much can- more the narrative behind Canada at yeah. Qatar is embarrassing. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't say we're going to go F somebody up and then lose by three goals. You, you can't, yeah, you no, that's can't embarrassing. That. And, that's you know, the, really the start was great. You know, you go up one goal, but like everybody in the world, like. But who's going to remember that? Exactly. And no one. In two, I don't, three, four years. Yeah. People are going to remember Herdman saying that and Croatia yeah. responding with a 4-1. Yeah. So. They've been eliminated, but they have one they more have game. Couple. Who knows but what's going to happen? Eliminated. I mean, Morocco needs something out of the game. Canada doesn't, and Morocco just beat Belgium. They're um, a great team. I think they're. I think they're it'll very be an interesting game, but 
I think they're very they're solid defensively. Team. So I, I, I mean, I can't see any way where um, Morocco loses to Canada. And honestly, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Canada gets shut out again. Yeah. To which then they would exit the tournament with zero points. And in a second straight. Fact. Yeah. In a second. Yeah. In a second straight. World Cup. But so again, like you said, if they go in there with the same mindset every game and like, listen, we're here, we're going to try and compete. We're going to do our best to compete. But we understand that we're not, you know, they're past that. Exactly. But if you they're do that, that, if you do that, um, and, and 90 min, uh, football, yeah. uh, you know, um, posting here, uh, this is the quote from the, <laughs> this is the quote from the, uh, one of the Croatian players. I want to thank can the Canada coach for the motivation in the end, Croatia demonstrated who effed whom and really, and they're not wrong. Right and I, right I want to bring up 2014 again, because it was the exact same situation with Mexico. They mentioned a lot of things about Ochoa and whenever he made like an amazing stop, he would just come out and go like this. Or yeah. when Andres Guardado scored, he pointed to the camera, showed his legs and said, my, my legs aren't trembling. Um, so it, it truly, you can't give those teams extra motivation. You can't yeah. give them something to work with. And Canada messed up and they did that. But they've since been eliminated. And we have three other nations to discuss that are still <laughs> in the fight. Somehow there's Rondo three other nations spot. that are still in the fight. And one of them is not Canada. One of them is not Canada, which is also important to know that the narrative going into this tournament was how Canada was superior, how Canada had been doing a great job. And Herdman did, but his inexperience at a men's World Cup showed during the tra trajectory of the tournament. But anyway, we move on. Onwards and upwards. To, up, oh yeah, sure. I'm sorry, Canadian um, fans. Um, you'll be fine. You, you'll be okay. <laughs> Congratulations. Come on, let's well, be honest. You, let's be honest. Well, how they many... qualified to the next one, so that, that's fine. Exactly. You know? How many of they'll, them? They'll be fine. How many of them? <laughs> Alfonso Brady's breakout star. He did have a goal. He did have a goal. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's be honest. If you're a Canadian fan and you're thinking realistically about this, there's no way, as I said on the broadcast before this, that you should have expected to come into this and gotten out of here. <laughs> Yeah. At any point. You expected not. to get eliminated, so. Not like this, but absolutely. Yeah. And we move on to Mexico, which was a very Woo! difficult game for me to I watch. I can't imagine it was fun at all. Um, The first half was. I will give it to them. The first half was amazing to watch, but <laughs> I have my thoughts. Would love to hear yours. Yeah, I mean, the first half was, I think, so this is what I, my whole, my my opinion on the whole game as a whole. I okay. think that Mexico played well defensively. Okay. And I think overall, I mean, what are you going to do about like those two goals? Like those are great goals. Like there's not yeah. much you can do about those goals. Like those are just pure skill. That's what happens when you can't capitalize offensively. And the other yeah. team has a player called Leo Messi. Yeah. Like that's what happens. So defensively, I didn't think they were bad. Fop Mob thinks otherwise because everybody on their team is in the mid sixes or low sixes, which I think is a little unfair. I think that's probably a product of giving up two goals. I think that's where that comes from. But in yeah. fairness, in fairness, I think that the Mexican defense actually played well. What I don't yeah. think, I th what I think about them going forward, I think they lacked much going forward. And I yeah. think that Tata got it wrong because I understand With the substitutions. The, 
I just think he got it wrong from the start. Cause like, I understand that he I don't think he go. got it wrong from the start. I think that first half, had we had a healthy Raul Jimenez. Well, yeah, that's what, yeah. Well, I guess he didn't get pitch, it wrong, but. Or the thing is, I think you, you have to take into consideration everything that happens off the pitch. But that first game, I mean, that first half was phenomenal in the way that Mexico held up. They managed well defensively. I think we have to give a huge shout out to Hector Moreno, Cesar Montes, even Kevin Alvarez, who had his um, World Cup debut. Um, It was similar to the way Andres Guardado debuted against Argentina, I believe, 2006. Yeah. Um, So you have to give him that. He, He gave a great game. The back line was definitely interesting. Unfortunately, I think Mexico gave a good half. My concern, and I said it from the beginning, my concern with Alexis Vega is that he doesn't have the stamina to go beyond 55 to 60 minutes. He gave great attempt. He almost scored off of a set piece. That was that was great, but Mexico's Failure to capitalize on any offensive opportunity in the first half came to haunt them in the second. And yeah, if you give space to Lionel Messi, he's going to score. And I think the reason I was, I don't want to say calm, but the reason I was somewhat okay after the game was because this was technically our designated loss. Yeah, Yeah. If you, and I truly do believe in the Mexican side, I think individually you have great talent that needs to, be developed and needs to continue developing. Just Chucky Lozano needs to keep going. Alexis Vega has to make the move to Europe. Luis Chavez moved to Europe. Um, just a couple players, but Argentina individually has such great talent. And when you dissect these two goals, it's not an embarrassing performance off of Mexico. Those were just two great goals by two great figures. Yeah, defensively. And Defensively, because I just think offensively they carried the ball, and I think Vega did well to push forward offensively a lot. Like I think he in the first yeah. half, like he got into some good spaces, pushed forward offensively, created some things, but there wasn't other than his free kick and the header. I think that was in the tenth minute or whatever. Yeah, that went wide. Like there weren't many, and this is the problem with Mexico, right? That we talked about. It's like, like they need to figure out how they're going to score a goal, like. Like this is two games in a row where they've failed to capitalize on anything offensively. And I think that they just looked, and again, this is what happens when you play five at the back. Obviously there wasn't going to be many, like the, the expectation coming in playing five at the back was that, okay, like we are going to play a defensive game and hit them on the counterattack. The problem is the two, two of the players that they had in the midfield three were Andres Guardado and Hector Herrera, who I think going forward and being able to transition from offense to defense it's just going to be so much slower. And so... Well, yeah, because it's two of the oldest figures. Um, yes. I do think the rhythm changed drastically when Andres Guardado came off with an injury and Eric Gutierrez came into the match. Yeah. That was a breath of fresh air. I do think in the first half, they did a great job at shutting down Argentina's creativity and yeah. blocking Lionel Messi from doing absolutely anything interesting inside the box. Yeah. Now, mind you, Mexico would have been fine with a 0-0 draw. Mm-hmm. Like, perfectly fine. It was Argentina who would be struggling with that result. Now, obviously, we know that wasn't the case, and they won. 
They still haven't qualified for the round of 16. Yeah. Anything can happen in Group C, and we'll go over the situations um, that either team has to go through a little bit later. But I don't think it was a bad game. I think Mexico's offensive... Yeah. Like, lack of offensive opportunities showed more and more. I think. I mean, was- look, look at it. Look at it. Just if you look at the stats as pure stats, right? Like, Argentina only had five shots, and the only two shots they put on goal went in. Mexico had four yeah. shots, they put one on goal. Like, there wasn't defensively, they didn't do anything wrong defensively, I don't yeah. think. Like, I think they were playing fine think- defensively. Yeah, defensively was fine, but we knew going into it. Like, the thing is, we have to also understand Gerardo Martino specializes in strengthening the back line and defense of any team he arrives to. So it's not a surprise to us, also knowing the duo that Hector Moreno and Cesar Montes have, that Mexico is strong defensively. That that would never be our issue, and we knew that going into it. Where I think Tata Martino got it wrong, though, and there was... Obviously, a lot of criticism coming into it mm. just because he's Argentinian. So you had <laughs> just a lot of criticism coming his way. But he had a plan A that worked in the first half, and he had no plan B. So when Very players, familiar ran out of with steam, players ran out of steam, the substitutions kind of made just all the difference. And you could tell the depth that Argentina has when yeah. players came in whereas Mexico opted for other figures. Now, he did include Uriel Antuna, who I think individually has great talent, and Piojo Alvarado, who I've said was a good addition, considering how he's used under Tata Martino. Mm -hmm. But two of them are supplemental players, and you had both of them up top at the same time. They are great as supporting figures to Alexis Vega or Chucky Lozano. They aren't there. They won't create anything offensively by themselves or even as a duo. We never saw that during the qualifiers or the years leading up to the tournament. Uriel Antuna and Piojo Alvarado never played alone together up top. Why do you have them there now? Why would you take Chucky Lozano out? And he did explain that after the first goal, Chucky mentioned – that he wasn't at his peak fitness-wise. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's I, it, so many things going on behind the scenes. I think you could have kept pushing, but... It's so hard, right? Because it's like, you're right. When you say what you said before, like a healthy Raul Menez changes this game completely, in my personal opinion, because I know we talk about this and Lissandro Martinez, like, I, I think he's the, the one of the center backs, right? Yeah, for the, mm-hmm. the, the Man United player. Great, mm-hmm. great player, but he is only 5'9", and, and and with a physical player like Raul Menes, at least putting him out there and having him go up against that is at least going to be helpful, obviously, when he's healthy. Um, so that's yeah. the unfortunate was, part about I mean, again, I personally would have probably put in Funes Mori instead of Raul Jimenez, but I do well, think Well, yes, that later in the game. Yeah, say. in the second half, but I think that the Martino let the criticisms get to him and all the outcry that would have been again so much ridiculous outcry. But Rogelio Funes Mori was born in Argentina, left the country when he was ten, plays in Mexico, naturalized Mexican citizen, in um, obviously <laughs> the Mexican national team, and has not been given a chance to play this tournament. Would have been his moment because he fits under Tata Martino's associative number nine style of play. 
he was not given the chance. He chose instead to go with um, Raul Jimenez, who we know is not fit. I think after that second goal, Funes Mori would have been yeah. at least a little bit more helpful because we've seen Raul Jimenez already this tournament not be that difference maker. So, yeah. And a couple of times he found himself in those wide areas, and that's not really want, where you want him to be. That's where yeah. you would want a uh, – that's where you would want a – Chucky Lozano or a uh, Alexis Vega in, in those, in those areas. And uh, you know, fun fact, um, Funes Mori has a brother who played for Everton, Ramiro Funes Mori. Yeah. Oh, that's why they he... call him Los Mellizos, <laughs> the twins. <laughs> Ro- Ramiro Funes Mori is like basically an, a, an, uh, a red card waiting to happen, but that's a different story. Oh yeah. He's in Liga MX <laughs> right now. Very criticized. Not. Yeah. He's also dealing so with much. an injury. I love him so really, much. No, yeah, very, he's just so funny to watch. Very mixed over there in Mexico. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like, it's hard. When you don't have a healthy Raul Jimenez, that changes things. Um, I mean, we can go back to Santi Jimenez. Should he? No, we will not. We won't go there. That situation? Um, congratulations, he, he just got engaged. Um, no, he... I think the substitutions went wrong. I don't think Mexico gave a bad first half. I think yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't to think some so. extent, gave me hope, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of Mexicans as well. But that let's talk about half... the let's talk about the the scenarios because, in my personal opinion, I think Mexico is still in a very good position. I think they're in a very difficult position. Um, so, in order for Mexico not to have to worry about any other team, that they must win four zero against Saudi Arabia and. Oh, really? Wait. Oh, I didn't know. In that. another time, that wouldn't have been a crazy ideal, but given the fact that Mexico lacks offensive power and have failed to score yeah. so far this tournament, <laughs> it's a real concern. For them now, not to have to worry about another team. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I guess. Now, I believe if they win 2 0 and Argentina beats Poland by three, two or three goals, then Mexico would advance. And if they win by 1-0, then it becomes – truly, I think the so, star of this of the Group C will be goal difference. Yeah, so, so truly... I think, at least from what I understand, I think that after goal difference, it goes to goals scored. So mm-hmm. if Argentina won 2-0 and Mexico won 2-0, I don't know what the next tiebreaker is because – then Poland and them would both have two goals scored and two goals against, and they both have zero goal differential. So really as a neutral in this situation, really hoping for that because I think that's really fun. But as a person who cares about your feelings, Lizzie, I really don't want that to happen for you. (laughs) I mean, and I here's the thing. There's been conversations going on about whether Mexico's appearance so far or should we stay in the group stage would be a failure. I said since the day we drew in Group C that this was going to be a very difficult year, mm-hmm. that our roster has had issues, injuries, a million different things, and we can argue that Tecatito's presence during that Argentina game would have been a huge change maker. but of course he's injured, went through surgery, so he's not at the World Cup. But I think they've undergone certain circumstances that makes it understandable why they would not qualify for the round of 16 in this tournament Mm -hmm. and it's not the expectations i want to have for mexico moving forward and i do for 2026 want to see this generational change new figures fresh faces but this year was difficult we cannot ignore that Lewandowski is with poland and that messi is with argentina 
And obviously that shakeup between Argentina and Saudi Arabia messed up everyone's plans. Yes. But it was a difficult group to begin with. It was a difficult year to begin with. And I won't go into what this tournament has caused for teams because it hasn't been exclusive to Mexico going into it with just days of rest Mm -hmm. and overworking and everything to that extent because everyone's playing on that um, term. But I think it would be acceptable to see Mexico stay in the group stage. Disappointing in that, obviously, I want to see them continue in this tournament. Yes. But given the situation, I don't think it's a crazy thing to say that it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the only my only disagreement or argument would be that you know you look hindsight's twenty twenty right. So when you look at the Poland yeah. game, that's a game that I think Mexico should have gotten more than a point out of. I think they probably yeah. should have found a way. So hindsight's twenty twenty, and you look at it and you're like, oh man, if well, we got but if you there see and... the trajectory of the game, yes, in the beginning, but then we saved yeah. a penalty. So well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, Poland all could that say included. the same thing. Yeah, all that. Of course, all that, all that included, um, whatnot. But I, I do feel like. Like Mexico uh, could have had a handle on that game. Obviously, the Argentina game was always going to be tough to win. That was never going to be an easy game. And then now seeing how Saudi Arabia has kind of responded in in certain ways and kind of, you know, obviously they didn't have a great game against Poland, but they're, I think, a tougher opponent than people expected them to be. You don't want to have to go into that game with Saudi Arabia needing points to actually to get out of the group. Like you would rather them be already eliminated. And yeah. obviously it, it makes it more difficult for you guys having to win by a certain amount of goals. So, yeah, I mean, I agree that, you know, listen, it's, I mean, it's, oh, it's tough to get out. All, if you look at these groups across the table, right. There's, there's, it's not just exclusive to Mexico, the United States, Canada, whatever. I mean, this is the world cup, you know, teams are yeah, going to perform. Are, there are groups that I would say are easier, easier of course. to navigate yeah. through. I mean, you have, two Ballon d'Or nominees, one yeah, yeah. historic winner there in our group and one nominee who. No, I agree. I'm just saying like, I, it's just not, not here. Nor <laughs> it's just, it's not, you know, I don't think it's, you know, I think this world cup has has been an interesting one in that a lot yeah. of these teams that nobody expected to be good or expected to have a um, play a role in this tournament are all of a sudden playing a role. Like we just looked, I think they just showed a graphic on the FIFA world cup today after, or before the Brazil game that the African nations are performing extremely well at this world cup. So that throws a whole nother wrench into it with the Tunisia's, the Morocco's Ghana, you know, so for all these different, you know, it's, it's been, I think a very unexpected world cup in a lot of ways, which makes it even harder. So I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, it's not, you know, it's not, um, it's not entirely terrible that the Mexico, Mexico falls out in this, the way things have gone leading up to the world cup and, and how they've gone at this world cup. So there is a, there is a question for Lizzie, a uh, bigger setback for Mexico, the tie, uh, versus Poland or Saudi Arabia's win over Argentina. What do you think hurt you guys more? I think the Saudi Arabia win over Argentina, if conversations we had prior to the tournament said if we find a result against Poland lose against Argentina and win against Saudi Arabia we're through with four points so Argentina versus Mexico was a game that 
well, we always intended to win, but kind of yeah. had that like guaranteed loss. We would be okay with that loss. Mm. The win shook up the entire group. It, it changed the tra trajectory for everyone, not only Mexico, but Poland and Argentina and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So it, it complicated things a lot. I think that was completely circumstantial. Argentina had a couple disallowed goals and their defense isn't great, but I truly think that's more of a setback. I don't think we gave a bad game against Poland. I think that's 0-0 yeah. considering the situation and what happened on that pitch was a decent performance. Yes, we could have done more in the first half, as we've said in the same way with Argentina. Mm. We could have done more in that first half, but performed well. I think as opposed to Canada, I'm not embarrassed by the loss we had against Argentina. They were two great goals. It wasn't a complete massacre, but it all comes down to that last game. We definitely need to win. And even if we don't get past the group stage, I think we still need to win against Saudi Arabia to save face in that yeah. sense. We cannot walk away without a goal and we cannot walk away without a victory. That would, would be the embarrassing part. <laughs> I would fully expect Tata to not be on the plane home if they lose to Saudi Arabia or tie. Like you have to beat them. Like he's going, yeah. he's gone either way, but I mean, <laughs> Oh, he's gone either way. There's no chance that he stays <laughs> like, a day more than like, I would fire because... him like 30 minutes afterwards. If that was and I mean, we've had this conversation. There was two resignation letters that were not yeah. accepted by the Mexican Federation um, prior to yeah. the world cup. But I do want to say it's not exclusive to Tata Martino. It's extremely rare. I don't believe in recent history that a, um, a head coach has stayed past the world cup with Mexico. There's yeah. some that haven't even made it to the world cup. with yeah. Mexico. So, um, very good point. Definitely very not exclusive. Point. Definitely yeah. not something we expect to see. Yeah. Right. But we're qualified to 2026 anyway. So congrats. There. Yeah. I jump. I'm still, we're going to have to talk through this on this podcast at some point, because I have no idea. Like, what are we going to do for the next four years? Like what does CONCACAF qualifying do? Like, I oh, honestly man, looks think like... that's the best scenario for Mexico. I think we, yeah, need... me too. But I, I just, it's just like weird. It's like, oh man, Canada, us and Mexico finished at the top of the group. I guess it's uh, going to be the next four teams from CONCACAF. They're going to make like, cause it's well, be also because too. we're hosts. Yeah, I know, but, but it's just a weird thing. Like, you know, like it's how definitely weird. Um, I think it's the best thing for Mexico who need a generational change and need time away from the spotlight. There's so much pressure for Mexico that comes with the CONCACAF qualifiers that sometimes even make or break a head coach mm -hmm. or a team. So the ability sure. to step away from any major tournament for four years, and I don't want to say Nations League or Gold Cup or the possibility of CONMEBOL. Yeah. I think the press, not having the pressure of CONCACAF qualifiers gives Mexico the ability to test out new players, new figures, yep. new faces, try a new system. I personally, and we will make a whole other edition of this um, podcast, but I would love to see Jimmy Lozano come in and do yep. the same exact thing that he did with the Olympic team, which won bronze at the Olympics. So, and he formed an amazing group and you have Henry Martin, Piojo Alvarado, Alexis Vega, and they've come so strong together from that team and something that Jimmy Lozano created, but it'll be the best for Mexico. But here and now, we have also the United States in the same situation. They must win against Iran. Anything other than a victory would see the team eliminated. How are you feeling? 
I mean, if you had told me that we would have to beat Iran in the third game to advance, I would have taken that 10 times out of 10. Like, why, like, why really? would you not take that? Why would you? I mean, obviously, okay. I would like to beat Wales and England, but being realistic, I think if you can get your – like, we got to the third game, and we don't have to worry about anybody else. We don't have to yeah. worry about anything else. All we have to do is go in there and beat Iran. And, that, like, that's – obviously barring the fact that you would love to get a win against Wales, you would love to get a win against England, like barring those things. Like I think you're in the, you're in a position that you expected to be in. I think, I okay. think you expected well, to tie. Like I didn't expect to win again, going into the game. We love, we talked about okay. going into the game, going into these games. Didn't expect to beat Wales. I expected to tie Wales. I didn't expect to beat England. I honestly wasn't even sure we were going to tie England. I was like, let's just keep it close. So you get and the extra point a there. really bad game. Well, you know, when you have a team like the U.S. men's national team, it's hard to really play very well against us, you know? <laughs> okay. Well, all right, then. No, um, um, but yes, I think... Interesting I, point. Yeah, I think... I, I Honestly, again, I don't feel... Like, I don't love having to get a win against Iran. I would love to be in there already. I would love to be already qualified. But the reality of it was that was never going to be the case. So right, I'll take but, everything I can get to not have to worry about goal differential or goal scored or anything like that. I'd rather right, just don't say, brag. No, I know, but I'm just saying I'd rather just I'm cool with saying like whether we win one nothing or three nothing, we're still You're through. In. You know, it's like that you don't have to worry about those other things. But going back to the England US game, I think there was a lot of hype. Soccer, football, the Revolutionary War. There's so many um, Revolutionary War did happen for all the English watching the show. It did happen. So so many conversations to be had about that game. Um, prior to talking about what actually happened, I think we need to go over the starting 11. I was, again, interested to see no Gio Reyna, yeah, was... no Jesus Ferreira. It was... I didn't think we were going to see Jesus definitely... I really you don't think I knew he was going to make a change up top and I knew it was going to be Haji right because I knew going into the game. I think he expected our best chances are going to be on set pieces and corners. And it's just another big body to throw into the middle of that England defense. Like I okay, but talking about number nine, I think it's very interesting. And this is where we go into his ability to say and speak and whatever. But Greg Berhalter mentioned the physicality of the championship over the Eredivisie for the reason of bringing on Josh Sargent over Ricardo Pepe. Now, he also complimented the championship in saying that it's the closest thing to the Premier League and you're constantly playing against Premier League figures. Okay, well, the game against England was that chance to play (laughs) against Premier League figures and you don't start Josh Sargent? The reason you literally brought him on? Beyond him having a great club career at the moment, that's... Like the I said, he previously I, said he was bringing him on for. I know, I I understand, but at this point, we understand Greg. We know he doesn't we do don't things understand that are Greg. like. But that's what I'm saying. Like we know he's just going to be just everything about him is going to be weird. Like everything about it, like you know to expect something like weird in the starting lineup. And I like I there was something about it. I don't know why. I was just like in my head, I was like, there is no shot he doesn't start Haji right in this game. And he started Haji Wright. I think it was a bad choice. I'm just saying it's difficult for players to understand, oh, I understand. what yeah, they yeah. need to do in order to be on a coach's good side. <laughs> and I do think it's important to point out that he's absolutely losing control of his locker room. There's no motivation 
it from the players and you've seen all the press conferences, well, everything I mean, coming I out of that camp. I don't the know fight with no Gio Reyna. Well, there's between the coach and players. A coach can't keep motivating a player saying, this is what you need to do to earn a spot in the starting 11. The, do it. Result, and then yeah. not earn a spot in the starting yeah, yeah, yeah. 11. There's no, always that. going to be competition. But if there's no set of rules or guidelines that you're going to stick to, it makes it a free-for-all. And it I, makes I, it difficult. I understand. I just think... When you're playing, I don't know, like in my mind and the way I think of it, it's just like you got to play to the team you're going to play. And and I, but I understand what you're saying. If you're going to tell Josh Sargent you're making the team because the championship is more physical, that's. No, I think in general, like not even just the Josh Sargent situation. I think, I mean, I think players the, inside the camp now, like not including Gio Reyna, and then like, well, he entered the game in like the 85th minute. There was truly nothing for yeah. him to do at that yeah. point, but. Well, I, I do think I think I, I do think that the Gio Reyna thing is is weird. Like, just put him on the sixty fifth minute in a game that you're in control of. Like, he can and, easily make a yeah. difference. Like, I, just, yeah. I, I I thought he made the right subs just at the wrong times. Like, as soon as they brought on Jordan Henderson and uh, I think it was was it Henderson and Rashford at the same time? Mm-hmm. Oh no, Henderson and Grealish. I think it was at the same time. As soon as they brought in those two players, they put him on the left side. And guess who's on that side defending? Serginio Dest and Weston McKinney, both injured. Greg should have looked at his bench and said, Who are on previous yellow cards? Shaq Moore. By the way. Yeah, who are on previous yellow cards and, and were previously injured should have said, Hey, Shaq and uh, Brendan, get up and you're in the game. Like it shouldn't have been that hard. Well, you, shouldn't have, you shouldn't have had to, like, there should have been no buying time there. You put those players on because you know exactly what's going to happen in that five, 10 minute span. England well, had their point- one wave of. And that point as well, Brendan Aronson plays constantly in the Premier League, and he wasn't in that starting lineup either. Um, Also important to mention, Haji Wright earned his sixth (laughs) cap with the U.S. men's national team and second ever start during um, that important game. The Gio Reyna situation, um, it was on SiriusXM that I don't believe, or I don't remember who said, that said they believe there's a conflict between yep. Gio Reyna and Greg Berhalter that's influencing that. his decision to mm-hmm. play him during these games. Now, this yep. wouldn't be the first time we're hearing a player saying a conflict with the coach is impacting his decisions. We know um, Matt Miazga, and I can go into him as well, but we know he came out prior to the announcement of the 26-men roster going to Qatar that he had a difference of opinion with Greg Berhalter, which left him out. Um, yeah. And the reason he hadn't been called into camps, even if he's playing well. So now we obviously don't know the extent of the situation, but it's just interesting to see a pattern at this point, especially yeah. when it came to the difference of opinions and press conferences that Gio Reyna and Greg Berhalter had over the situation. Now, yeah. Greg Berhalter, we know, said mm-hmm. Gio Reyna wasn't up to it physically. He wasn't at 100%, whereas Gio Reyna came out and said, I'm 100% physically fit and I'm able to play. So Yeah, I mean, again, like I, like you said, and um, I mean, I like the, as Greg likes to call it, the verticality of Tim Weah. I, I think it's hard to take him out after the, I think he played a decent game against Wales. You keep him in there, but I do think that Gio needs to come on earlier. I think Brendan needs to come on early. Like, 
these are players that can change change a game for you. And I this is this is where I think it it becomes because Brendan obviously can play on the wing. He can play. I mean, I think he typically plays in the wing for Leeds. Brendan Aronson, and that three man midfield. I don't know what everybody else thinks about it. I think that three man midfield is the starting three man midfield. McKinney, Adams, and Musa are a major part to unlocking the rest of the team. I think those three players together when they're healthy and they're playing at the top of their game are phenomenal. And some of the, like, I think they're just very, very good midfielders and I think they can change a game. So it's hard to change that. And it's hard to put that in. But when it comes to the geo situation, it's like this, I mean, this kid, I mean, if you're not going to start him, he's got to play more than five minutes for the game because what's the point of having him on the roster? It's like almost annoying to have him on the roster because you know, he's sitting on the bench and can change the game. And, and it's a good thing to have the depth and all that stuff and all the, all the great stuff. But if you're only going to play him five minutes a game, or you're only going to bring him on in, in moments where, you know, maybe they need to be a little bit more defensive, can't have as much of an impact on the game. Like it's hard and it's, you know, it's great to have these, these, these challenges. But like you said, can't have these conflicts with the coach, you, you know, Yeah, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm all over the place right now because it's, it's a hard thing to break down, I think, because, and, and I love it. I love the fact that I could say, oh man, why is Josh Sargent, Brendan Aronson and Gio Reyna not playing more minutes? Like that's great from a U.S. men's national team perspective. If you look at years past, but at the same time, it can be frustrating because you similar to England. Why is Phil Foden not on the field for 90 minutes yeah. in an England game? Like, that should never happen. So, well, you mentioned um, the midfield. And while I agree that those three at a healthy and great moment can be difference makers, we know Weston McKinney isn't at his best right now. Um, he kind of limped off the game against yeah. Wales. He's already on a yellow card. So, while he was great, I think he had to come out earlier. Yes, I do too. Not I, start. You, you could Given see the fact that you have depth. Yeah. You, you, you have several different combinations there. The 60th minute every time. You could see it. You can almost pinpoint it. That's when Weston yeah. starts to jog around the field, doesn't get back to his man. You could see it every time. Him and Dest, the same thing. So at 60, like, I don't know why coaches do this because it, it is not just Greg. It people Coaches do this all the time. It's like, like, you know he's hurt. You know he's not able to give you 90 minutes. Like, why wait to make the change? Waiting if he's to make your only option, I completely understand. This is where I yeah. think the United States has depth in that area. Yeah. That and with great options as well. So mm -hmm. it becomes an issue. I also you could even put Gio not... in that role if you exactly. wanted to. I'm not convinced by Sergino Dest this tournament at all. I think he's been shaky. I think he's been nervous on the ball, making the wrong calls, sometimes overly aggressive, led to a mm -hmm. yellow card. Um, I just have not been convinced. I don't think. Yeah, the rest think... of Europe has been either because he's not a starting figure. But I also want to point out the U.S. men's national team did have great chances. Um, there was yeah. Pulisic's crossbar and Weston McKinney that missed in the 25th minute. But yeah. I do think in that first half, just like I said with Mexico, the game was for the taking and the United mm -hmm. States did not know how to ma manage that at all. Greg Verhalter did not know what to do with substitutes, which – led and I maintain an experience of the situation is going to cost the United States their place in the round of 16. I would love to see them through more content for us on this podcast and 90 men us would love to see them um, go through the tournament, but I do yes. think it'll be the inexperience that costs them their place. 
We have some controversy in the comments. Uh, Edwin believes that Weston was awesome, which I do think, I, I mean, yes, I, I think their, their lack of coaching, I do agree that their lack of coaching and the coaching system, we've talked about this multiple times. It's not There's con- no system. conducive to helping these guys succeed. I do think Weston right. had a great game up until that point where he started to slow down. Um, but um, yeah, they, I, and then I don't think they've overachieved. They haven't. I we think have to that also you... remember the United States has not won at the World Cup, no matter, and, and I maintain the same level of demand with Mexico as well. And I, I said the same thing with Canada, though they've all had great halves and great moments and great chances on the ball. The United States has still not won a game. Yeah, so but there, I... there's no overachieving because with See... this new generation and this new faces and so much developed talent, you have figures in Europe. You have some of the best teams. Yeah, no, I understand There's what you're no saying. There's no victory. I understand what you're saying, but I think at the same time, like, we talk about inexperience where it's to be expected. This is the third youngest team at the World Cup. They're, they're going to make mistakes, and, and they're going... I, I just think if you look at this team who has 25 players who have never played at a World Cup before... Yeah. You look at how they're performing against a quality England team. Like this team is the, the team that beat Iran 6-2 on Monday and how they played in the first half. Like I would argue that the U.S. men's national team has had three very, very good halves. And the only bad half but was the second half against Wales. Points. But I don't find that as an issue because if you go in, like I said, as I was going in, you hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So like obviously you look at it and you're like, obviously you look at it and I'm like, I feel like they could have had six points at this point. But if you look at it beforehand, I think the way the United States was playing leading up to the tournament and how they performed at this tournament, I think that they've, at least for me personally, have surpassed my expectations in terms of, I didn't think that they were going, I thought they were going to have a lot of trouble in these first two games and they dominated a lot of these games. And I, I honestly, that's the first time I think you could say that about the United States men's national team against a European opponent like England in a very, very long time. Like, even if you look back to 2010 in the World Cup, they didn't dominate that game. They scored in the first minute and then just played the defense. One, one, one. Yes. No, exactly. Like, like, I love that. Like, I just, I don't know. It's just, it seems like they're playing very well. And obviously they don't have the goal. And that's going to be the, the thing that, that's going to make or break them like Mexico in that final third game. I don't think very well, though. They cost their own game on the first, like, against Wales. Yeah, but if you take that one defensive Walker Zimmerman lost the game for the United States. No, I know, but, like, I think... They also dug their own grave. But I, I don't know. I just think if you take out that one thing, I think the U.S. men's national team... Like, in my personal opinion, the U.S. men's national team has looked the best out of any CONCACAF team in the World Cup. I think my, my question is, are, are they playing well or are the expectations extremely low? I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's the case. I, I, but, you know, I think maybe it's the case that the expectations are really low and that's fine with me. If the expectations are low, the expectations are low. But I, I just, would you say that Mexico is playing really well at this World Cup and their no, expectations? Making it a you against I situation. No, I know, but what I'm, I'm what I'm saying is what I'm saying is Mexico also has low Mexico. expectations, right? So no, I, well, that's the thing. Mexico has unrealistically high expectations. Okay, um, I, see, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I see. What you're yeah, saying. I mean, it's 
the Mexican fan base is almost demanding yeah. that fifth game. And when we remember who makes it into that fifth game, it's the top eight nations of the mm-hmm. world, whereas Mexico should be realistically ranked between 10 and 12. Yeah. So the fact that consistent, and I don't want to bring this World Cup up, but like consistently we make it to the round of 16 where we belong. Yeah. We're in the top 16 yeah. of the world, but the expectations are always higher and better. Mm-hmm. And if we win, it's because we needed to. And if we lose, it's because we're the worst. So... I mean, going way beyond, the expectations for Mexico are realistically high. A lot of people said yeah. you had to win against Argentina, which yeah, I guess my my mindset on Mexico, there, but my mindset on Mexico is how you look at them. So I like I obviously don't. Oh see well, them I'm an anomaly when it comes to them. So realistically. that's why I think of it like that because you came into it with a realistic expectation where you're like, okay, yeah. listen, like this team is Many not don't. performing at the quality that they should be or or that they normally do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's that the expectations are very, very low for the United States. It's something I'm okay with because personally, one of the biggest things for me at these World Cups is this is the one time where, in the U.S. at least, this is an opportunity to gain fans, right? This is an opportunity. Yeah. Every single person who doesn't watch soccer, all they hear is, oh, this is the golden generation, blah, blah, blah. And if they come out and they look like crap, then you lose. that's it. Those guys are gone. So at least they're performing and putting on a performance that people watch, like my buddy who came with me the other day, we went to go to New York City to watch a soccer game, watch the soccer game, watch watch US play England. We were in the bar, whatever. He left it. He said, wow, that was like an awesome experience. I really loved that. Like I was like really surprised by the way that I enjoyed that. And I think for from my perspective, again, you know, I, I don't know how it is for you, Lizzie, because obviously... I think you're surrounded more by people who enjoy the sport of soccer. Like all my friends like are very, very casual soccer fans. Like Hmm. they watch it when it's the world cup. My buddy watches Bayern Munich every now and then. And that's it. Like, so from my perspective, like for me, it's only it, it, this world cup at least is about building up that soccer fan base even more to hopefully grow the MLS even more as we'll talk about in year in I'm sure episodes to come. To the point where in 2026, soccer is a bigger sport in the country. And I think that the United States men's national team in the first two games here have at least allowed for that to happen. And that's why I guess I'm excited about it because, and again, they could ruin it all by going and losing to Iran. So Yeah, well, Mexico could do the same thing. So maybe we're talking too early, but we're going to continue doing so anyway. (laughs) Um, Last but not least, we have to talk about Costa Rica, who... We don't give enough love to. We do not. <laughs> yeah, maybe they, well, they got, you know what? Maybe they have had the best World Cup out of any team because they won. They're the only Concacaf team that's won. Yeah. I, yes, I, but they also lost seven zero. So <laughs> really, it's how do you really judge it? I mean, who knows? I, I don't know. Yes, What's up but with they Japan, did win. Man? Japan's like up and down. They beat us two nothing. They lose to Canada two one before the World Cup. Then they go and beat Germany two one, and then they go to lose to Costa Rica one nothing. I know. Place, I mean, Costa Rica does does have the ability to make it to the round of 16 as the standings are at the moment. Group E has Spain up top, then Japan with three points, Costa Rica with three points, and then Germany with one, which is, I guess, the embarrassing situation. Two World so, Cups in a row. Imagine that. Well, like, then we really shouldn't United be complaining States- if Germany's missing two World Cup knockout <laughs> stages in a row. I mean, what are we? Well, what that's are they what I'm doing saying. I think there? if if the United States and Mexico both stay in the group stage, then 
So does Germany and potentially also Argentina. So we're in good company, I guess. Yeah, right. It's like, I mean, upside down World Cup. Um, But yes, so they do have the ability to make it out. Costa Rica does too. Costa Rica does too, which is, I mean, hey, I mean, if you're a Costa Rica fan after that 7 nothing loss, like, this is all you could you have back. asked for. You're going to... Yeah, you I came mean, back. So it'll really be between um, between Germany and Costa Rica. They yeah. face each other on Tuesday, I believe, or... And, um, and, no, on Thursday. They, believe, they face each other on Thursday, which will yes. be a deciding factor for that group. It's really open for most groups anyway, which makes things extremely interesting. I believe France are one of the only nations to be qualified already. And Which Brazil, we knew I think, would just qualified too because they mm, just won today. As so. well, yeah. Which we knew would happen. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Brazil definitely interesting. Talk about a easy groups. Brazil should have wa- should walk through this group. Like this should be like they, they yeah. should be fine. Should but, should is the key word here. Um, yes. A weird World Cup so far. Ups and downs. Many things to happen. But the U.S. men's national team and Mexico and um, Costa Rica have their. Fate in their hands, essentially. Mexico, not so much. A little bit. But a little bit, but kind of. So we'll be back. Yes, of course, as always. We'll be back to recap all that action. Potentially sad, potentially crying. Um, Happy tears, sad tears. We'll see. Let's hope for all happy tears. All happy tears. Let's make it a happy us. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter for more content. Um, We'll see you next time. Peace. Bye. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.